This is Pound in Victory. Well, I would like to welcome everybody to another uh, podcast and thank everybody for following us. And you can also go to Facebook and like us. Like our page. Facebook.com forward slash Condom Victory Podcast. We post every week. We post all the new episodes. You get to see behind the scenes photos and whatnot. And that's all the work of Christina. Well. Which we appreciate very much. Thanks. And um, we're here to spend a little more time with everyone. So last week I told a little bit of a episode that took place in my life and uh, expressed about um, stepping out in faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hebrews 11:6 says, it's impossible to please God without faith. All of us have the ability to operate in our five senses, and we operate in a, a soulish level of faith pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. And when we walk into a, an establishment and we're going to have a chair, you know, a lot of times we might even look the chair over to see what type of a chair it is and how sturdy it is and, you know, by looking it over, we have enough faith to sit in it that we're not going to end up on the floor. Some people don't even look. That's true. They just have faith in four legs being underneath them. Mm-hmm. And the biggest share of the time, it, it all works. The point of this is that faith is based on knowledge. Mm-hmm. Faith is based on knowledge. So we need the knowledge of God in order to have faith in him. Mm-hmm. And we get that knowledge through the Word. We have to read it. It's just like any other relationship you have. You build trust, and then you have faith in that person. Right. So, you know, when we talked about that last time, I um, I had to step out in faith, believing what God told me to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, the end result of it was that somebody received their job back, that family was blessed, and I wanted to finish it up by saying that just in the last two years, at some point, that man retired from that job. Wow. And That know, was 40 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So his life was blessed. His family was blessed. And the reason that God called me to do that was pray for that job, for that family. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily because of his worthiness of it, but because of the family's need. Yeah. And I wanted to come back and just point that out before we went any further. So people understand, faith is a very unique thing. A lot of people don't even know if they have faith because they've never exercised it, mm-hmm. never stepped out in it. So I was really blessed by God when he chose to come to me and ask me to fulfill that need and step out in it as I was a brand new Christian mm-hmm. and turn my entirety of my attention to something that was totally unrelated uh, to anything in this world to cause the result of that to come to pass. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of things in life where we don't have a control and we don't have the ability to do things, and that's where God comes into it. We have to put our trust in him. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. You have to get into the Bible. You have to read the word in order to have the faith built in you to let God have his way. When I heard about Abraham in the Bible, Mm -hmm. it was a pretty exciting thing. 
Abraham was a man that was well-to-do. And the Bible says that Abraham had a friendship with God. And it's not too often in the Bible it's talked about somebody being a friend of God. Right. And a long time ago, many years ago now, when Chrissy was younger, um, she was going on a youth group uh, mission there, the rally, I guess you'd say. We were going to a youth conference. Yes. And at the last minute, there wasn't enough chaperones, so I, you know, I said I would go myself. And I was very uh, interested in what was taking place. But at this um, meeting, every meeting that they started, started with the same theme song. And that song was, uh, I'm a friend of God. Mm-hmm. And as I paid attention to what was going on, they had these thousands of teenagers just pumped up and excited and after a meeting, you know, before the next one would start, they'd be loose to go to lunch or whatever. And as they'd leave the uh, auditorium, they'd be singing and shouting that they were a friend of God. And after a number of meetings, and I thought they never addressed at all how to become a friend of God. Mm-hmm. But these kids were all pumped up that they were all friends of God. And I thought it was a little disheartening because they didn't even know how to do that. So when we look in the Bible and we see Abraham, Abraham was a friend of God, and what caused that? It was the fact that he just trusted God, believed God. When God said, do this, he did it. God told him to go somewhere, and he went. God told him at one time to leave his home, leave his father, leave everything behind, and take off and go where he told him to go. The only thing he knew was what direction to walk in. Mm-hmm. That's it. Didn't know where he was going, what the end result was going to be. But he trusted God when he told him to do it, and he journeyed out. That was a, quite an experience, you know, uh, when, you know, some people might be asked of God to step out and just do something small, and they might ignore it, might not do it. Abraham was to turn his back on everything that he knew mm-hmm. and take off. And he did it, and the end result was he flourished, he did well. He left and he took his nephew, Lot, with him. And when they got to their destination, the Bible says that Lot was in strife with Abraham. And Abraham didn't want Lot to... of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, that Lot? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were in a, a strife, and Abraham said, Well, you choose the land that you want, and I'll take what's left. Mm-hmm. And Lot chose what he thought was the most flourishing land that was available, mm-hmm. and Abraham took what was left over. Abraham wasn't worried about what land he had he, because he, he trusted God and knew God would take care of him no matter where he was. Mm-hmm. But Lot went by sight, and he chose what he wanted, and it was the most flourishing land he could see. But he also ended up later in a lot of trouble because that land he chose was where Sodom and Gomorrah was located. Mm-hmm. And... Abraham, being the man of God that he was, God said that through the activities that were going on at Sodom and Gomorrah, he was going to have to wipe them out. When he, when he said that, God told Abraham that he was going to have to do it. Mm-hmm. Abraham went before God, and you know I thought about that later years after that young man pleaded my case before God to keep me from dying that night in uh, barracks in the military. And Abraham started pleading before God in behalf of the people. And he said, Lord, if, Lord, if I, 
if I could just go in there and find 50 righteous people, would you spare the cities? And we're talking about looking at someplace like Minneapolis, St. Paul, that were twin cities. Mm-hmm. And he said, if I could go find 50 righteous people, would you spare the cities? And the sin was so rampant, so bad, that God couldn't t- take it anymore. He had to get it out of his sight. And God said, well, if you can fin- find 50 righteous people, he said, I'll spare them. So then Abraham said, well, Lord, if I could go find 40 righteous people. And finally God said, yeah, you find 40. And he negotiated with God until he got down to 10. He said, if I go in there and I find 10 righteous people, would you spare the cities? And God agreed with him. Abraham sent help in there and talked a lot, told him he had to leave before annihilation was coming. And Lot took his family and was leaving. Mm-hmm. They got to the outskirts of it, and the Bible says his wife turned around and she went back. Now, I haven't studied it real close, but I know a couple of theologians that I read, they made this statement that Abraham stopped at 10 because he had 10 relatives there. And I found that very interesting. So when he got down to 10, he quit. 10 righteous people he didn't have leaving there because his wife turned around and went back. And God had to bring... molten lava down and destroy the cities. Mm -hmm. Abraham had such a walk with God, he could negotiate with him. Right. But he had faith and trust in God. Mm -hmm. And we need that desperately. And, you know, if God said something, I mean, I came to God out of basically impulse, you know. Mm -hmm. Things are bad. Things are struggling at all times. So I didn't have that faith in the sense of having a lot of scripture in me. But a little bit that I had, I trusted 100%. So when we look at these um, passages in the Bible, and then I look around me in life, I, I see that everybody has the same need, and that's Christ in them, the hope of glory. Mm-hmm. Now, I've met a lot of people you know, in the last 40 years of living for Christ, I've got certain questions I like to ask people, you know, I just randomly I'll say to people, who do you think is going to be in heaven? And it's interesting to hear the results of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've got a few things down that, you know, are common. Uh, a lot of people believe their grandmothers are going to be in heaven. Yeah. Because they're good people. Then there's a lot of people that think their mothers are going to be in heaven. Mm-hmm. Once in a while... Dads are going to make it, but mostly it's grandmas and grandpa, grandmas and mothers that are going to mm-hmm. make it to heaven. And you know, I, I find that kind of cute in a way because you know they got them separated out. I compare that with an analogy here that I said, "Well, who gets into your house at night?" Mm-hmm. And they'll say, "Well, my family." I said, "Yeah." And what happens after they get in the house at night? Do you lock the door? Well, more so today than ever before, people do lock their doors. There was years ago, people didn't feel that need, but today they do. And they say, who gets into your house? They say, well, my family, I, my wife, my kids, or my husband, my kids. And then I'll say, you lock the door. Yeah, we lock the door. And I said, well, that's what heaven's like. Mm-hmm. I said, who's going to get into heaven? The Bible says family family's going to get into heaven. When I said they get in there, the scriptures also say the door is going to get locked. 
And then anybody that tries to get in any other way, the scripture says, it would be like a thief and a liar, and they're not going to get in. That's a serious uh, issue that's going on, and we like to address that and bring it out to people so they you know, can have a little more understanding of it. Tonight, I want to use a little more scripture than we've been using. I want to go to Romans chapter 4 okay, and uh, verse 17. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, they, mm-hmm. they sinned against God. Uh, God had people that he created in his image and likeness. They were spiritual beings in the garden. When God told them if they ate of the wrong tree, they were going to die. And what they did was they died spiritually, not physically. So when Satan came to them with a half a truth and told them that they were going to die, they wouldn't die, they would go on living. It was just that they were going to be like God. And that was a lie because they spiritually died that day. The light went out. The God light in them went out. Mm-hmm. And they became became totally flesh yeah god is looking for a people a church of people that are going to be in the image and likeness of god Mm -hmm. he wants a church that's without spot or wrinkle blemish free yeah and that's what he's waiting for and looking for so when we look at abraham and his example Mm -hmm. of who he is and what he is Abraham gives us a good idea. Now, we're going to read Romans 4, 17 out of the King James Version. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him who he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Right. Now, the scripture says that God is a God that calleth... Uh, the things that are not as though they were, were what? Were before Adam and Eve fell. Yeah. God's trying to call a people back to that place. Mm-hmm. Now, when God has that intention, he, he, he has to keep going and keep going and keep going and looking for somebody that will listen to him and respond to him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, over the years that I've served Christ, I approach a lot of people. In my life right now, I, I'm in a situation where I, I need a kidney. So when I, I'm waiting on that, I get introduced to a whole line of more people that I've never met before in my life. Mm-hmm. 18 years ago, I, I found myself in a real battle, and I didn't, didn't know what was going on. And I had gotten checked out by a, a physician, and I told him my situation that I was going through, and he gave me some pills and thought they'd help. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> now I'm living for Christ at that point. I lived for Christ for seven years before this incident, and I was in good health. Everything was going ex- excellent. And I really was trusting scriptures that said that, you know, we're the healed of the Lord, the blessed of the Lord. And then all of a sudden I come under this attack. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting it. I just got sideswiped by it. And I really got before God, and I was praying, and I said, uh, you know, I trust you. I believe you. Your word says I'm the healed of the Lord, and I confess it and decree it before people. The whole idea was that, you know, I I'd lost 100 pounds, and most of my eyesight, most of my hair has fallen out, and I was in trouble. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, you know, I sought God for the, for the healing. Now, I don't know all things. One day I'm going to get to heaven. I'm going to get a chance to talk to God about it. 
But the only reasoning I can find behind it is because I believe in divine health, I believe in di divine healing, and here I'm up against a circumstance that I, I'm not getting through. And the one thing that I thought in the process of all that is how, do, how can I talk about God when I'm up against such a battle myself, you know? <clears throat> but when I, Which is what James said too, right? Mm -hmm. Like how can I go pray for other people's healing? Right. I'm myself afflicted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I had that going through my head. But when I went to Mayo Health Center in Rochester, Minnesota, and they told me what was going down, you know, I, I was, I thought, man, I can't do this. You know, I, I can't even talk about God now. But what happened was I got down there and the, in the book of Jeremiah, the Bible talks about Jeremiah and how he, how he was doing things for God, working for God, doing the things he told him to do. And mm -hmm. every time he seemed to do something for God, things turned around. And then he looked in his eyes like an idiot, you know. Mm -hmm. And finally he got frustrated and he said, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to talk about God. I'm not going to mention him. And he was really getting upset with all the circumstances. And then he said, but it's a fire shut up in my bones and I can't stop it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he'd go ahead and talk. Well, I got down there in Rochester, and, and I found myself talking to people about the Lord. I couldn't stop. And what happened was the, um, the idea of being under attack um, put me in a position where I was seeing people that I would have never seen. Mm -hmm. Doctors, nurses. I would have never seen those people in my life. And when I first got sent down there, uh, I was seeing a doctor in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And he told me one day, he'd come in and set my medical records in front of him and just sitting there staring at him. And uh, he said, I'm very concerned about you. And I said, yeah, what, what are you concerned about? He said, you're in terrible shape. He said, you got to get help. And he was sitting there with both hands laying on the desk. I reached over and put my hand on top of his and I said, I'm more worried about you. And he sat up and he kind of laughed and he said, really? And he said, why is that? And I said, I can't find anything in Scripture that says I can't make it into heaven with two failed kidneys. But I said, with an unclean heart, I wouldn't make it. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's why I'm worried about you. What's your heart like? I said, I'd like to see you helped. And I worked with him for three years, mm -hmm. ministering to him and trying to get him to come to Christ. That's why... You know, when I was down in Rochester, I, I couldn't stop myself from passing out church cards, talking to people about their soul, yeah, trying to get them to come to Christ. And when Abraham was talked about in Romans 4.17, it was said that he was serving a God that calleth things that are not, and he'll quickeneth the dead. Mm -hmm. um, we all, until we come to the point of serving Christ, we're basically dead spiritually until we get revived by him. Mm -hmm. We get born again, the Bible says. It's very important that we all come to that place. Right. And yeah, I've, I've got a lot to say, but, uh, you know, I want to put a few scriptures in there so people understand, you know, why we're doing this. Mm -hmm. um, I, want, I want to look at a scripture, a passage in uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 3. And... The word that we're going to hear speaks about Jesus himself. 
And I want everybody to pay close attention to this. A long time ago, a number of years, there were some people stopped at our house, and it was a man that um, I periodically would have minister night services in our services. And his daughter was with him. She was not a young person at that time. Mm-hmm. She already had several kids herself. And they got into a discussion, and they were mentioning baptism, and that lady got really uh, intense, and she was talking about how baptism wasn't a need. You know, if people were weak-minded and they thought they needed a little boost by something, they could do it. And um, my wife tried to help her, but she would not accept any uh, assistance in believing Mm. the word. So finally she just gave up, you know. But I want to look at this passage because I think it's very important for everyone. Verse 13. Yes. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him, and Jesus when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Amen. I want you to go back, Christina, if you would, please, and, and start over. I want to stop you at a certain point. Can I read the new King James? All right. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he allowed him. Yes, and that's the part I wanted to reread, that Jesus told him, we have to do this to fulfill all righteousness. What I'd like to point out to people is... Those words are in red. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is the one declaring it. Yep. And he said, we have to do this, John, to fulfill all righteousness. Yeah. Now, Jesus came from the seed of God. Three of the Gospels address him as the Son of God. One of them repeatedly calls him the Son of Man because he came through a woman. Yeah. And one time people were questioning Jesus and they said, we know you're a good man and Jesus stopped them. And he said, there's no good except for the Father in heaven. Mm -hmm. Here Jesus himself is saying there's no good but the Father in heaven. Mm -hmm. And he said that because he's in flesh. Flesh was recognized in the Bible as sin after Adam and Eve's fall. Mm -hmm. All sin was flesh. And flesh was recognized as sin. So Jesus himself was declaring that he had to be baptized to fulfill righteousness. And you can't get into heaven without the righteousness of God. Mm -hmm. And that's a very powerful, powerful scripture. We're going to go to John, St. John, chapter 3. Okay. And there we're going to read about eight verses at the beginning of the chapter. About Nicodemus? Yes. Okay. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. 
And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to, say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Amen. All right, the reason I wanted to go there was so that we could clarify something for all people listening, mm-hmm. that Jesus, Jesus himself, was there, and Nicodemus came. Now, Nicodemus was a very learned man of the day. He he knew the Old Testament prophetic words that spoke up to the life of Jesus coming. So he wasn't ignorant. He was highly esteemed. Yes. The thing I want to mention is this, that constantly people were trying to trap Jesus. Yeah. They were trying to get him in something to say that they could go ahead and, you know, stone him or, you know, kill him in some way because he was a radical in their eyes. I've said this, you know, kind of comically, you know, when I get to heaven, I want to know how serious Nicodemus was when he proposed that question, because when I read it, I try to get it totally involved in Scripture, you know, and when he was talking to Jesus, he said, what am I supposed to do, crawl into my mother's womb for a second time, you know? Like being sarcastic. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't think there was any sincerity in him when he comes with the question. Mm -hmm. But if you would, start reading that again. I want people to pick up on this. At the beginning? Yeah, yeah. this man came to Jesus by night, and he said, to, by night, by the way, yeah. not even in the middle of the day. Yep. He was in secret and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. All right. What, what verse is that? That's uh, John 3, 3. Now, I want to bring that to everybody's attention. In John 3, 3, Jesus said, No man can see the kingdom of God except for he what? Be born again. Be born again. Mm-hmm. Now, back in Isaiah 9, 6, there's a verse there that a lot of people know because at Christmas time, everybody goes there. Unto you a child is born. Mm-hmm. The prophetic word back in Isaiah 9, 6 speaks of Jesus' birth and him coming on the scene. Yeah. And he said, unto you, a child is going to be born. And he said, his name is going to be the Everlasting Father, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. Now go back and read the first line of that. For unto us a child is born. Go ahead. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. All right, the government will be upon his shoulders. Mm -hmm. But then he goes on in John and says, you know, you won't be able to see the kingdom of God without being born again. And... What I like to do is I like to compare those two because 
The Bible also says in the New Testament, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. We are to live as a, a son of God, a daughter of God in his kingdom here on this earth. Mm -hmm. And the reigning rule is Christ himself. Now, when the Bible says unto us a child is born and the government will be upon his head, he tells us to pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, <clears throat> that same kingdom power and ability is passed down to those that get born again and are living for him. Mm -hmm. So the governing force of that kingdom we have to live under. Well, we don't have to, but, you know, I mean, if we want to succeed and, and be blessed, we will. And therefore, when, when Nicodemus was talking to Jesus, Jesus said, you know, you must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven. Here on this earth, while we're here, we're supposed to be see that governing force of God's kingdom in our mm -hmm. lives. Not when we get to heaven, but even now, all right? Mm -hmm. So when we read that scripture, we have to take it very personal. And today... We have to take it. Uh, By the way, I just want to call out in case people don't aren't super familiar, but they've probably heard John three sixteen. A lot of people quote that scripture, which is like in the middle, actually, of a full monologue from Jesus. Like that's in the middle of what he's saying. Yes, there's a lot before that and plenty after that. But you were. You had me read in the beginning of the chapter, which people kind of glaze over that. They skip through that part and go straight to John three sixteen, And nobody, it's very common, you know, that people don't really read the other part of it. Right. And, and the main thing people have to pay attention to is Jesus' instructions. Yeah. And, um, you know, go ahead and read 16 just for the sake of it for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who so whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life right but what are you believing see if you didn't read right prior to that the very important thing that people have to hear is this that just believing that he exists doesn't get it right because satan himself believes that he exists satan himself and all the cohorts that got cast out of heaven with him that followed him they got cast out and they know he exists the, mm -hmm. the world knows he's existing because there's enough witness of that but that isn't enough just to know it you have to know him you have to know him and be one with him all right so when you you jump you skip matthew mark luke and john and you skip most of the book of Acts, and, and then you jump into Romans halfway through that, and you take a scripture yeah. that's called out of context. Yeah. And that's why I'm doing this, because you want to know God. You want to know your salvation's good. You want to know that he really loves you and cares about you, but you can't do it from head knowledge. I like to point this out that the ESV Bible, it's a good Bible. It's got good study references in it. And I, I encourage people to read it. But at the same time, the authors, the people that put that Bible together, in the front of it, you will read this, that 360 rabbis and pastors and teachers, theologians got together and studied to do that Bible. And when they did it, they said there's very, 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 and it emphasizes it over and over and over, very, very few uh, spiritual Christians in the world. Most of them are soulish level. That means they got head knowledge and no heart behind it. Mm -hmm. And that was their opinion of that. 
And I think that's worthy of looking at, all right? <clears throat> because our salvation is very serious. And it, it's got to be something that really uh, you feel the effects of it. Um, the Bible says once a person is uh, given to Christ, the old man has passed away and all things become brand new. You really, really need to feel that. So now the, you read verse uh, 3, I believe it was, right? Yep. What's the next one? Go ahead. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And G this is five. Jesus answered, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Okay. Now, you know, the first part of it said that nobody would see the kingdom. Okay. Yeah. That's why I went back to Isaiah 9, 6. Mm -hmm. The kingdom is passed down from Jesus to his followers. The kingdom speaks to the governing power. Yeah. All right. That should be f passed down to every person that is truly born again. The power of God, the power of that kingdom. Mm -hmm. But then when he goes to entering the kingdom, entering it, there's a new Jerusalem that we're going to go to and we should find ourselves at. Mm -hmm. And He's saying that nobody was going to see the governing force and nobody's going to see the kingdom, get into the kingdom without being born again mm -hmm. of the spirit in the water. Now, when we read about Jesus getting baptized, the Bible says he had to fulfill all righteousness. We need God's righteousness to get into heaven. So when he got baptized in the water by John, then when he came up out of the water, the Bible says as a dove descending, didn't say it definitely was a dove. As a dove would descend, the Spirit of God came down and lit upon him mm -hmm. for the born-again experience. So Jesus... Yeah, it says Spirit of God descending like a dove. Correct. And it's re referencing the Spirit itself coming down and possessing him. Yeah. So when he says, he says here in John... Except for a man be born again of the spirit and the water, he cannot see the kingdom of God or he can't enter it. Mm -hmm. All right, go ahead. So verse six, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, that's a very important verse. See, because every one of us are human beings and we're born of the seed of a man. Mm -hmm. Flesh is recognized as sin ever since Adam's fall. So every person that's born into the flesh in this world is sin until they're born again. Mm -hmm. Every person that's born into flesh is sin until they're born again. All right? Now, read that verse one more time so people don't miss it. That, that, this is John 3, 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Yes. And now my, my life alone, I'm talking about myself, my, my father brought me into this world by his seed, and when I came into this world, I was much like my father, all right? My actions, my behaviors were all like my father, my earthly father. Mm -hmm. And then when I got born again, my actions and my behaviors all changed, and they became like my heavenly fathers. And now the Lord made it very clear that except for a person doing this, they can't see or enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, Chrissy, go ahead with the next verse. This is verse 7. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. 
so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Amen. Now, it references the wind, okay? So when you look out your window and you look out and you see on a nice windy day, what do you see? You see leaves blowing around. You see a paper blowing down the street. You know, you see the effects of the wind. Mm -hmm. That's what you see. But you don't see the wind itself. And he's making a reference to give people an idea of what happens. When you receive the Spirit of God on the inside of you, you will see the effects of it taking place on the inside of you, but you literally don't see a spirit. Mm -hmm. A spirit comes in, the Spirit of the Holy Spirit comes into a person, and it takes over. So you will see the effects start taking place in your life. When I got born again, I was a terrible smoker. What happened? I got born again, the Spirit of God came in, totally delivered me of tobacco. The same with many other things, the vocabulary, the alcohol, all those things. God just took them completely out and gave me a fresh new spirit in my being. And that's where we want to be with God. Mm -hmm. So when you have uh, many ideas, many ideas go through the world of salvation and how you get it and you know what happens um i like to stick as closely to scripture as possible mm -hmm. and the need is there yeah um you know like i said i've talked to many many nurses many doctors you know and when you get into a discussion with them you know um some of them are open to listen and others are they'll close the door quickly mm -hmm. and they say well i'm not that kind of kind of person i'm not interested yeah. you know and uh i'm not interested in the bible you know and you know those types of things are quite serious but you know i find myself in there and i'm not intimidated by the degrees on the wall i'm a, i'm i have a much respect for them mm -hmm. but in the bottom line of it is we're all human and we all have to get the same salvation yeah we all have to get to the same heaven and it doesn't matter where you are in life, whether you're a poor beggar or you're a doctor, a lawyer, or whatever. You mm -hmm. know, we your all, station doesn't matter. No, no. Right. But you also need to know exactly the truth of how to get there. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, that's why I want to read the scriptures tonight because I got a lot more to say. But you know, I want the basis for that, the comments that I make to be known a little bit, where I'm going with that. I, I got one more passage of scripture I want to do tonight, for mm -hmm. sure. And that's in Matthew, chapter 20. And I think we'll read 20, 21, and 22. And we're again talking about Jesus and, you know, what people are asking him. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and one on, and the other on your left in your kingdom. That's 21. Keep going. Mm -hmm. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the bapti baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able. Now, I don't know if they really understood at that time when they were talking to him. It'll be interesting to see you know, when we get to heaven, if they totally understood that. They said they did, but, you know, the revelations, um, at that point, Christ had not died and resurrected, and when um, the Holy Spirit's the revealer of all truth. So 
I don't think they had the Spirit of God at that point, but they did answer that they could. Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking here, because he said, first of all, it's not my place. It's the Father's place to decide who's going to be where. Mm -hmm. But he said this. He said, can you drink of the cup that I drink from? And anytime you read about a cup in the Bible, it's talking and referencing uh, your destiny, where you're going to go, be, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, when that question is asked, his cup was about to be dying on the cross. Yeah. Okay. He was going to die to the flesh and everything about it. He was going to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world. And that was his cup. Because when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said to the Father, he said, if it be at all possible, let this cup pass from me. But he said, not my will be done, but thy will be done. And he went ahead and drank it. What that meant was he went to the cross and died for everyone. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the other one was, he said, can you be baptized in my baptism? Okay. Now, he baptized to fulfill all righteousness. He, he had to die to the flesh. And that's what the whole thing is about, dying to the flesh. But Jesus went to the cross and died for every one of us. Then he says, I want you to join covenant with me by symbolically dying like I died for you. Go into water baptism and mm -hmm. die and then when you go into the grave of water baptism, he said, I want you to come up and I'll resurrect you in newness of life. Mm -hmm. Those are so powerful, so powerful. It's a covenant that God's trying to make with every one of us, a blood covenant that he wants to be in with every single one of us. And if people, like you said, they jump over to verse 16 and they don't pay attention to this, they're not covenanting with God. You have to be in that covenant. Mm -hmm. And he's telling us exactly how to do it. Right. So uh, as sweet as that sounds, you know, 16, but you're, you're skipping what he told you to do to get there. Right. And that's why people have to stop mm -hmm. and pay attention because Jesus is telling us this. Yeah. Jesus is. Mm -hmm. So we want to pay attention to the scriptures because we want the most miraculous experience with him that we can get. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, in the last 43 years, it amazes me how many people want to disagree with Scripture. Yeah. And most of it's based on doctrine that they've been taught. Mm -hmm. And it really doesn't have anything to do with Scripture. It's just the ideas that man passed on to man without reading them. Yeah. So, it, you know, I, I want to make sure people understand where I'm coming from because God did an absolute miracle in my spirit, soul, and body. And I want people to experience that same thing and the power and the deliverance of it. I want to tell a little story before I close today. We were holding a service one time, and we had a small church going in Bloomer, Wisconsin. It wasn't a big building, but we had probably 70, 80 people show up one night, and it was absolutely packed. And there had been a guy coming for about two years. You know, I told a story about a pastor asking this question, what is sin? And then he paused, waited for people to think. Then he started speaking, and he said, well, some of you might think murder, adultery. When they did that, he said, what I believe sin is, the separation of us from God. And he said, those things you're thinking of are the results of your sin. Mm -hmm. If you're close enough to God, those things won't get in there. You know? yeah. And that, that was a powerful point. So this guy was sitting in the front row, and he'd been going there for about two years. Now, he had a large family he was from, and most of that family was coming to church. Mm -hmm. Some of them had radical, radical changes in their lives. But here this guy was in the middle of the family, 
and he never smoked, never drank, didn't cuss, you know. I mean, just on and on. The list was miraculous, you know, mm-hmm. of all the things he didn't touch. Here he was sitting in church one night. The Holy Spirit was moving in a mighty, mighty way, and all of a sudden this guy is in a fetal position on a floor crying and crying and crying for two hours. And when it was over with, I went to talk to him, and I said, Richard, what happened? And he said, I was sitting there, and he said, God started showing me I was going to go to hell mm-hmm. because all my faith and trust was in everything I've done. It was me. And he said, when he just showed me how much trouble I was in because he wasn't in control, I was. He just melted before the Lord. It doesn't, you know, you don't need the miraculous testimony of a murderer coming to Christ, a rapist coming to Christ, or, you know, an alcoholic getting delivered and coming to Christ. Everybody needs Christ. Even that person that was sitting there that didn't use profanity and he didn't smoke and he didn't drink, but the Mm self-righteousness had him in trouble. Right. See, we all need Jesus. Mm -hmm. We all need him. And that's why I wanted to read those scriptures tonight. Those scriptures that were read were Jesus talking to us. And um, with closing, I'll say this, that doing the Bible study one night in somebody's home, we read that scripture uh, about Jesus being approached by Zebedee's wife. Mm -hmm. And when my wife read that scripture, a lady spoke up and she said, well, that's not in my Bible. And then her husband spoke up and he said, not mine either. And I said, well, what Bible do you read? And she told me, and I said, what about you? And I thought he was reading the same one as her. And he said, well, I got this version of it. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, I said, doesn't that bother you? I said that neither of the Bibles has what Jesus asked when he asked if they could be drink the cup he drank from and be baptized in his baptism, and they took it out. I said, that's a question that everybody, Jesus is asking, every Mm -hmm. person, you know, and we all have to answer it. I appreciated everybody coming and listening. I've got a lot more stories I've got to tell you, but I needed to give a basis for why why I tell them stories. Mm -hmm. It's because of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, the man that loves us.